Hello and welcome to the Scottish Plans. I'm Clint. Thank you for joining me today. I am recording from my truck because you know what? When you've got a busy life, you just got to take opportunities when they come. So here we are. Today we're going to talk about the, well, if you're from the, from Scotland, they're the cares. If you're from the U.S., they're the curs. And if you are from England, I think they go with something like more like car. So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. But before I get into talking about the cares, which is probably the pronunciation I'm going to stick with, I am going to give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. If you have any desire to get any kind of apparel to express your pride in your Scottish heritage, you need to go to usakilts.com. Superior made products, especially their kilts, but not only their kilts. Awesome customer service. Free shipping inside of the U.S. Go check them out, usakilts.com. They've also got a ton of really good stuff on their their YouTube channel with USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. All right, so what do we want to say about the cares? This is not meant, this episode will not be an, a comprehensive history of this clan. I'm going to say the word clan, uh, writing surname if you prefer, or name, or but all of these different words, just to be clear up front, and this is an ongoing thing, and some people are super particular about it, and I've expressed my pre- uh, preference in po- previous episodes, but uh, clan is a Gallic word. At, the, at that time period, was only used in the Highlands, where people were speaking Gallic. That's not true. It had spread by then. Because we see it in current documents, in like in the 1500s, it, from the government, which was the Scot- Scottish monarchs at this time were not speaking Gaelic. I think the last Scottish monarch to actually be fluent in Gaelic was James the Fourth. This document was written by the administration of James the Sixth of Scotland, first of England, and so they had adopted the word clan in places that weren't Gaelic speaking by this time. But some people are super particular, and down on the border, they we're using maybe more commonly the name uh, uh, family. But in, in this context, it looked a lot like a clan, something that would exist, like a Highlander would be familiar with. They would also use the, the name surname to indicate the broader kin group. So whatever you prefer, I'm, I'm a big fan of freedom, people using what they want, but I'm going to use the word clan. Anyway, so let's talk about things that were interesting about the cares. Well, <clears throat> the, right off the, to the start, they were a border clan. Guys, the cares were not only, they weren't just some peripheral, yeah, they lived in that part of Scotland, so they probably were engaged in those sort of things. No, the cares were full-on, no-kidding, border reaver, riders, reavers, as much as any other kindred on the border with England was. So this is the geographical area we're talking about. It's down the border with England if you're just new to the subject. Now, as a, as a border clan, they as I talked about my difference between Highland and border clans, the Cares had probably had very little interaction with Gaelic as a language. They would, would have been um, more English, or if you want to be really nitpicky about this, Scots. I know there's, in the linguistic world, is it a dialect of English? Is it its own language? Uh, pretty strong feelings run. I don't know enough 
about what would be the difference to take a hard line on that myself. If you've got a strong opinion and you can back it up with some scholarship, please feel free to include that in the podcast notes. But that's not my specialty. I do find it interesting though, so and I am interested in hearing y'all's opinion. So go ahead and make a note on that if you if you got something to contribute. But they would have not spoken Gaelic, okay? Which is interesting because on one of the the sources that I used, which I was on clancare.org, home of Clancare of the U.S. and North America, and clancare.co.uk. So obviously that would be a, a U.K. version of this. So, yeah. Uh, one of, I think it was clancare.org. Down at the bottom, it had... It had, uh, I had something in Gaelic. Anyway, the, the cares would have had very little interaction with Gaelic, the part of Scotland that they were in. Also, they probably would not have worn kilts. Some of them may have wielded large swords that would, in the Highlands may have been called a claymore, which is not restrict. I know there's a certain design that comes to our mind when we think of a claymore, and, and it's specific. There's some regional peculiarity there, but... In Gaelic, if somebody had a big sword, Claymore translates as great sword, something to that that effect. And so, um, but a lot of the stereotypical things about Scotland would not have applied to the cares. Doesn't take away at all from their awesomeness. But they probably they they had very little contact with Gaelic. They didn't wear kilts, and um, another big difference is they would have been horsed guys. They would have been mounted. And the, the, the majority of their major activities as a, as a kindred, especially their raiding and fighting and, and all that stuff, would have been conducted on horseback in contrast to the Highlanders who were primarily light infantry. So that, that's what all is wrapped up with them being a border clan. But they were really, like no kidding, all the way, all in border clan guys, border reavers. Um, they, like I said, they weren't kind of, they weren't just happened to be geographically near there. So probably had some contact with those activities. They were all about it. And in fact, if you read some of, I think it's Robert Carey. I, this is one of my sources for my master's thesis. When I was working on that, he described things in, in particular. And those, so the cares were specific to the English middle March and, and they were mentioned in Robert Carey's memoirs extensively because they were so active as a Border Reaver clan. Next thing that I want to share with you about the Cares is that they had two main branches. And the tr- family tradition is that they descended from two brothers. The The two branches were the Cares of Fernihurst and the Cares of Sesford. The ones of Fernihurst and I think I'm saying that right, but I, haven't, I really couldn't find that on YouTube, but I did find a YouTube video with a gentleman, Mark Nickel, who was talking about, um, the, uh, he was doing a thing on, on hobby care, uh, f- kind of a, a legendary figure in the care clan, and he was from Sesford, and, that's, and he's a Scot, and so that's how he's pronouncing it as Sesford. I didn't know if it was that or Kessford, but it's, he pronounced it Sesford. So you have Fernie Hurst and Sesford, Fernihurst claims to be the senior branch, and they're supposed to be descended from the brother Ralph, where the Sesfords are descended from John. So these are the two main branches of the Cares. Now, one of the sources, once again, I believe it was uh, clancare.org, was saying that 
they were supposed to have come to Roxborough from Lancashire, which the trying to read up on this and looking over at clancare.co.uk, the the cares were involved in they were present in Scotland a long time before John and Ralph come along. Now they very the the two branches may very well descend from these two brothers, but I'm not sure that they came directly from Lancashire to Scotland. And they they're supposed to have been Normans. I I didn't get I didn't there's some linguistic stuff going on there and I didn't I'm not going to go too far into that, but they were present in Scotland in the in the sphere of influence of the de Morville family in Ayrshire clear back into the 1100s whereas Ralph and John these two brothers they didn't come along until the 1300s that's what it, it kind of looked like so they were not the first cares in Scotland and then of that I'm fairly confident um, as any as much as you you are in your sources which I just gave to you so the uh, they feuded, these two branches, the uh, Ferniehurst and Sessford Cares, they feuded with each other, but they were not always on opposite sides. They, this wasn't a long-going, deep-seated, perpetual enmity between these two. They, they were sometimes found to be co- very cooperative with each other, and especially back, I think it was episode 21. That's, that's a long time ago, guys, but I did an episode on the Battle of Melrose. So if you want to see an example of a battle that happened between these, between um, the, the, this is where the Ferniehurst cares and the Sessford cares were on the same side versus the Scots. And there was more to it going on. Go back and read that. That's just a very simplified version, but they they were on the same side in that one. That's a notable conflict in which they took place that involved James V as a minor and the Douglas Earl of Angus and going from one spot to another. But go back and find the details in episode 21. Now, the uh, it looks like from what I've been able to gather, and so this is kind of me putting together things. This is not coming directly from any of the sources I looked at. But my theory is that this kindred, like I said, they started in Ayrshire under the De Morville family, and there's charters of them getting lands and things back there. My theory is that after the Wars of Independence, they had expressed or demonstrated loyalty to... Now, this is not my theory. They had been loyal to the Wallace slash Bruce specific side. Guys, I know that not everybody who was for Scottish independence was pro-Bruce. But they were loyal to Wallace and then to they had one particular member of their family that was really loyal to William Wallace and died defending him. But they were also loyal to the Bruces. And here's the the habit. We got into this on our episode of the Elliots that Robert the Bruce would reward his those who were loyal to him. He's very he was very he had a good memory and he remembered very clearly who opposed him and who supported him. And for those who opposed him, he was ruthless. And went after him afterwards. For those who supported him, he was very gracious, and they oftentimes benefited at the expense of those who had opposed him. My this is my theory is that how the cares went from Ayrshire to Roxborough and, and the 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 Jed Forest area in the middle March is that they were loyal and they were rewarded lands there at the expense of maybe somebody and I couldn't find out who this was somebody who had not been as loyal to. Robert the Bruce. That's and, and the Elliots came down from farther north in a much the same manner. 
And I did, I talked about that at length with, in the, I don't have the number of the episode, but I did an episode on the Elliots a while ago. All right, so another interesting thing is their two main rivals were the Scots and the Herons. Now, I couldn't find out anything about their conflict with the Herons, but the Scots said that they were, would regularly meet, like their, their favorite place of conflict was at a place called Bellendine. And that they would meet there and they would hash, you know, they'd fight it out. And that there was more than one um, Scott and Care chief that were killed at that location. I couldn't get a lot, couldn't find a lot like this specific engagements there. But I've given you my sources. And if you have better sources than what I was able to find, you can check the ones I gave you out. Or, and if you know more, then once again, please contribute them. Because what I'm, most of what I'm limited to is what I can find online. And but I couldn't find specific engagements with the Herons. Aside from the Battle of Melrose, I didn't find a lot, of, but, but they, it seemed like they were a little bit more at it with the Scots. Here's another possibility, is that the Herons were loyal to the Scots and were engaged in those conflicts by virtue of being allies of the Scots, so they're enemies of the Cares. I'm not sure, but if you know better than that, jump down and, and comment and contribute to this. Once again, um, this... My effort here with this podcast is to get a discussion going and talk about things and things that are interesting. So I'm just trying to highlight the cares, not give a doctoral level discourse on them, but I'd love to to hear your thoughts and your contributions to the subject. All right, I'm going to take a quick break on the cares and I'm going to talk about my sponsor right now, USA Kilts. Guys, I've been so pleased with the products that I've got from USA Kilts. They've got kilts. They've got everything that you would ever wear with a kilt. They've got stuff to express your Scottish heritage. They've got stuff from Ireland and Wales, which I've mentioned before. My surname is Edwards, and that is a Welsh surname, or at least a surname that commonly, probably most frequently occurs in Wales. And I like to throw some Welsh stuff in there too. In fact, when I'm wearing my kilts, I... I have two of them, and I've got some Welsh things, a little some Welsh accessories to wear with them. Like my my kilt belt buckle is has the Welsh dragon on it, as does my kilt pin. So you know, if, does, wherever you're coming from, from a Celtic background, they've got something for you guys. It's top quality products, outstanding customer service, free shipping in the U.S. USAKilts.com. That's where you need to go for any of that. If you're just interested in, let's pretend now you've got the kilt or you've got something else that's has to do with that and you're wondering, hmm, I've got this question about how to wear this. Guys, go check out their YouTube channel, USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. It's got all sorts of information on there, tons of content to help people like me who have not been wearing a kilt my whole life find answers to all those questions that you would ever have. Also, they've got stuff on there for Celtic culture and and history and all sorts of cool stuff. Go check them out at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions on YouTube, usakilts.com for products for the storefront. Anyway, so getting back into the things that are outstanding about the the cares, um, the one thing that's notable about them is, so I told you earlier that they were a prominent border clan in the Middle March, the Scottish Middle March. Well, actually, the cares provided many um, provided many uh, march wardens for the middle march in fact if you go you can find if you just google scottish middle march wardens i can't remember exactly where i found the list i think it was on wikipedia somewhere but 
they had, you can look up a list on everybody who held that position. And especially if you're going down the list and specifically in the second half of the list, there's a few that pop up earlier than that, but there's a lot of cares who held the position of Scottish Middlemarch Warden. So for those of you who are not familiar with that, the, uh, and I mentioned this um, in, in a previous episode recently, that the, both England and Scotland, this border country on either side of the border was both, both kingdoms had this, their respective part of the border broken down into three sections, the West, Middle, and East March. And both the English and the Scottish for each March had a March warden. And they were in charge of justice and negotiations with their counterpart on the English side and making sure justice was... Because this is a crazy place. And that's why we see this kin-based society grow up here is because before all this got settled in, this it was hard to get any kind of... It was kind of a no man's land where it was just a big free-for-all. For all. It kind of reminds me of the, the wild... We you know, often hear about the Wild West, you know, in any frontier area before things get really settled. So the this march system with the march wardens was a way for the both both nations Scotland and England to that was their solution and to kind of cooperate and how are we going to make things halfway decent down there the problem was the people who were appointed as the march wardens were often neck deep in the politics themselves and so really by the cares getting and and let me specify here we always lump them in but I mentioned earlier that there's two branches of these, it actually really take on the life of their own. They're not, there wasn't a, uh, it wasn't like the Earl of Argyle and all cadet branches of the Campbells acknowledge him as their chief. That there wasn't quite the same way with the cares down here between the Sesford cares and the, the Fernihurst cares. They, they, they acknowledged each other as kindred to each other and but like I mentioned, sometimes we're at feud, sometimes we're in cooperation with each other. It was the cares of, of Sesford that more often held this position of, of Scottish Middlemarch Warden. I think I found one example of a care of Fernihurst holding that position. Um, there was some in there that didn't specify, and but it was the Sesford branch that I noticed came up by name more often. But um, yeah, so... Back to the point about when a person was appointed to be the middle march, that kindred, that was usually just this gigantic leg up for that group because, I mean, everything was partisan for sure. And now by having a care given this position, now they've basically this is an opportunity for them to make sure that the cares come first in this area. And I'm not saying I hadn't, I didn't study the legal records for every single March Warden of all six marches, both on England and Scottish sides, and where did you know how fair were they? I'm I'm sure that they got some good dudes in there who were just trying their best to make things work. But I think it was also kind of expected by everybody that if a care got that position, the cares were on the up. Another other people that had that another surname that came up quite frequently in the March Warden position. Actually, for more than just the middle march were the Douglases. Douglases were a big, huge deal down the border, even though they had territory throughout the realm. Anyway, so that was kind of cool about the cares is that they supplied their kindred, specifically the cares of, of Sesford, supplied many 
Middlemarch wardens. And so that was a very advantageous position to put them in that, it, to, to put the clan in that position by having the, their chief be the, hold that position as the Middlemarch warden. I don't think I just said that very eloquently, but there you have it. It was a huge advantage to have your chief be that guy because everybody in the clan is going to benefit there. All right. The uh, the one thing that's cool that I want to end on here, the last thing that I thought was really interesting about the cares, and I'm not telling you guys that everything that is interesting about the cares is limited to what I've included here. There's more stuff, and I've given you some sources to get you started. But the cares had a reputation for being left-handed. Isn't this interesting? This practice, and this goes back to this, I was telling you my sources earlier, this is clancare.co.uk, and there's a gentleman by, gentleman by the name of Lawson, I believe, that was the that has written a lot of the stuff on there. They so this this reputation for being left-handed, I think, got its start under one of their prominent chiefs, this Andrew Dand Kerr. So Dand Kerr was a chief during the I want to say the later 14 and into the 1500s, and he was the one who's given credit for this practice becoming frequent throughout the clan. And one of the things that he noticed was that mercenaries and the cares are very, not only were they sure enough border reavers, but they were also had, were in the practice of hiring themselves out as mercenaries, either in Britain or on the continent of Europe as well. And he noticed that left-handed swordsmen could charge twice as much as a right-handed swordsman. There's and, and anybody who's familiar with fighting sports, specifically boxing, might be this might make a lot of sense to you, uh, or even in baseball. There's just certain considerations. It's just weird for a person, a right-handed person, who's practiced and used to fighting other right-handed people, and now the left-handed person. And there's just all these adjustments that you have to make. Whereas the left-handed people are used to fighting right-handed people, so they don't. It's not as big of an adjustment. So definitely they have the advantage in there. And if any of you are involved in swordsmanship because i know there's some uh, some some historical reenactors out there that might be listening to this if you've got something to contribute here i'd love to hear your perspective on this whole thing anyway the cares be so because that they can charge twice as much they see this uh, uh, an economic opportunity if we're raising up the next generations to be left-handed so they were doing that that was a very conscious deliberate action on their part is to become left-handers and you have this in that vicinity of Scotland you have this term grow up called care-handed which means there's another word like like it's like saying southpaw another word for left-handed um they also built their strongholds with their staircases that they're windy they're windy staircases and I don't really I, I had a hard time conceptualizing this in my head but I in several sources it talked about the cares building their strongholds with their staircases spinning in a way that favors a left-handed swordsman over a right-handed. So there's that. So I think that's, there's several things, guys, the, the cares, that's not an exhaustive history of the cares, but I think it's, um, I think it's a bunch of interesting thing. One note I might add in a little shout out to a childhood friend of mine. When I was about 14 years old, I lived in a neighborhood uh, in Kennewick, Washington. And there is a, one of my friends was Matt Kerr. And he, I believe he spelled it K-E-R-R. And Matt Kerr, he was he was a phenomenal runner. 
and I and I wasn't a good basketball player at all. But I remember when we'd so just so you know my perspective. But I, we'd play just out in his driveway, and man, he could just score at will on me. And so a, a good athlete, a great runner. I believe he is in a, in a tragic accident, and it, and it might have hampered some of that stuff. But Matt, if you ever hear this episode, here's a little shout out to you. Thanks for being my friend at that time. And, and yeah, you were, you were good for me to, to have a good friend like you. And, and so anyway, there's a little shout out to a prominent Kerr or care in my own life, Matt Kerr. And, and, uh, that's, that's my, that's what I got to say about the cares. Now, just to hang with me for just a second, because I just want to say that I'm, I'm this whole thing on this online course that I want to put out on the origins of the Scottish clans. That is a, that is a legit thing. That is not a pipe dream. That is stuff that I put some things in place that I'm actively pursuing. So if that sounds interesting at all to you, go down and, uh, going to mention that in the comment, like, Hey, I can't wait till it comes out or, Hey, ask me a question about what I plan on covering. Anything, any questions you might have about that? I'd be glad to answer them. Cause this is, this is fairly developed. I've uh, got outlines for the stuff. I've got all sorts of things in my head for this. And some of it is actually becoming a reality already. So I've gained some traction on this. So I hope that's something that maybe some of you are interested in. Um, if you're interested in continuing the dialogue, guys, reach out to me at at uh, Scottish, correction, at thescottishclans at, um, at gmail.com. Thescottishclans at gmail.com. If you've got a recommendation, this whole episode came as a recommendation from Shane Kerr, Carr, Care. <laughs> anyway, I remember his name was Shane and he reached out to me. I can't remember which version of this name that he used, but, uh, I might've been car anyway, uh, Shane, Shane, whatever. Sorry for not remembering which specific one it was, but he said, I've been working through all of your episodes and you know what? Anybody that tells me they've been working through all of my episodes that may just bump you forward in the, uh, in the clan recommendation or clan request list, right? If also you say, hey, I have shared this podcast with so many other people and you give me, like throw a number out there, guys, that might also bump you up to the top of the list by and, and I'll handle your thing. But for sure that worked in Shane's favor is him saying, hey, I have been working all the way through these things and I'm loving the podcast. Will you please do more on the cares? And so, yes, Shane, here you go. I hope you've enjoyed this. I told you how to reach out to me. We have a thriving Facebook group called the Scottish Scottish just go on Facebook Scottish clans um, be a part of our awesome conversation that we have there and uh, yeah and until next time Marush and Leib and Barasta.